Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Rick Coob and Marcus Goldman here on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. And Marcus, we've been talking a lot with people lately about Bob Dylan for a variety of reasons. And it made us think that maybe, just maybe, it was time to finally do a podcast about the man, Bob Dylan. Yeah, for quite a while we had been pontificating about how we want to put together a Bob Dylan episode or what aspects of Bob Dylan because of the complexities, the layers, the intensities, the phases, all part of Bob Dylan's very uh, long musical career. So putting together something quite a challenge. And we figured that since we're not going to get everything in in one episode, <laughs> and we just kind of like do our thing when it comes to the freewheeling Bob Dylan, if you will. Born Robert Allen Zimmerman, but everybody knows that. But his Hebrew name kind of defeats me a little bit here. You want to do the honors here? You bet. Shabtai Zisi Ben Avraham is his Hebrew name. And Ben Avraham is because his dad's name was Abraham, right? Correct. See, I know a little bit. Ironically, Marcus, they fled from Odessa in the Russian Empire, now Ukraine, under attack by the Russians during the program against Jews in 1905. To put that in time perspective or movie perspective, think Fiddler on the Roof, which basically depicts that time period in the Russian Empire when the Jews were being forced to flee. I thought you were going to say, let's go back in movie terms. There weren't any talking movies back then, because that's kind of where life was <laughs> over 100 years ago. And they made their way to the U.S. I'm looking at the that's... picture of the house, the Zimmerman family home in Hibbing. Can you imagine surviving winters in that little blue box? Oh, my God. In Minnesota, it gets so cold in winter. I wonder what they use to heat that little place up. Ooh. Yeah, he grew up there, and Bob went through school there, but Hibbing wasn't going to hold this fella, and he decided that folk music was for him. A lot of reasons why, and a lot of influences force his decision to move to New York, because that's the place for an itinerant folk singer to be, right, Marcus? Correct. Playing the night of the wild west, leaving the towns I love the best. Thought I'd seen some ups and downs till I come into New York town. People going down to the ground, buildings going up to the sky. That was something that was very important to Bob Dylan. He wanted to write his own songs. Wintertime in New York town, the wind blowing the snow around. Walk around with nowhere to go, you somebody can freeze right to the bone. I froze right to the bone. New York Times said it was the coldest winter in 17 years. I didn't feel so cold then. And one of his motivations for going to New York, other than the obvious, was to meet his musical idol, the great Woody Guthrie, 
who was pretty ill at that time. That was around the time Bob also learned how the songwriting business worked, and rock and roll songwriting was very similar to pop songwriting, whereas folk had a different feel to it because the people singing the songs were writing their own songs, creating their own images, telling their own stories. Not always, though, because a lot of what folk singers do and have done through the ages is reinterpret the traditional songs. And Bob did some of that, too. And he learned a lot about that living in the village in the early 60s. While Bob Dylan was working on his craft as a songwriter, one of the things that he did wrote Robert Johnson's lyrics down so he could study the patterns. He wanted to closely examine them because Robert Johnson was great with free association. He had these sparkling allegories, and he rapped hard truth in nonsensical abstraction. It makes sense if you think about it when Dylan starts writing his own lyrics to be able to study all of Johnson's and absorb that by writing them and reading them over and over. You get the essence of the man. And if you think about it in some ways, the modern music equivalent all the way back who rings through all the artists that we've discussed on this podcast is Robert Johnson. And a lot of Woody's protégés, like Ramblin' Jack Elliott and his friends, Dave Van Ronk and Fred Neal, Odetta. The whole Bob Dylan meeting Woody Guthrie story was put together in a fantastic children's book called When Bob Met Woody. And it tells the story that you just talked about with all of the people that he met when Woody was very sick. And it's a really well done children's version of an important musical moment because... When Bob met Woody, it had a huge impact on the rest of his life moving forward. Huge. Midnight special number A, 48, take one. One second. Now, you got to realize that young Bob was just a lad kicking around New York City trying to find his way forward at this point. And sometimes accidental situations come up and it gives you your chance to do your first recording. Well, I wake up in the morning. And that's what happened to Bob Dylan when Sonny Terry, the great Sonny Terry, calling out sick on a Harry Belafonte session in 1962. And there's Bob playing the harp. Had to be a thrill for him. In the studio, in New York City, the dream is starting to happen, right? Totally. Well, it isn't long before he gets to work recording his own albums. And along the way, some things happen. He changes his name legally in August of 62 to Robert Dylan. And around that time, he also signed up with manager Albert Grossman, who would be his guy for a long time. My quote on Albert from Dylan says it all. It makes you laugh. He was a kind of Colonel Tom Parker figure. You could smell him coming. <laughs> That's his guy. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and John Hammond had a vaunted career in A&R at Columbia, but Dylan is often cited as his first major signing. So you got to meet the guy who's going to sign you. And Dylan did that at Carolyn Hester's apartment, uh, an apartment she shared with her then-husband, Richard Farina, who's also part of the folk scene. I don't know if you know his name. 
But they met in 61, and here's where the mythical story of Bob Dylan comes into play, Marcus. Word is that having heard him, Hammond signed Dylan on the spot, but everyone, including Dylan and Hammond and Mitch Miller, remember Mitch Miller in our discussions before, the uh, the singer and uh, Columbia A&R director, yeah. they all confirmed that there was an audition that took place. No one has a recording of it, unlike the Springsteen audition that we played when we covered The Boss, right? Yeah. I would love to hear that Bob Dylan audition tape. Chances are, if they ever find it, we'll be amongst the first to listen. <laughs> They'll have to bake that one first. <laughs> Dude, Snoop Dogg bakage. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was Serious. talking oven bakage, dude. Yeah, at a very low temperature for a very long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Things start to happen for young Bob Dylan. He's a sensation, pretty much, without question, although a couple times he does get questioned about his story. He starts to catch on. People start coming to see him as the opener, right? Well, that's how things get started in New York in those days. And things really start to turn. And even though he's this new kid with a funny voice and no accompaniment on his record, right? The songs on that first Bob Dylan album, how can you deny the talent that flows out of them, even though they're mostly traditional or cover songs? The fact that he was able to interpret those songs the way he did and give them a new breath of fresh air really showed something, I think, to the people. And it was a great first stepping stone for Bob Dylan to learn the business and to evolve into who he was to become. Well, it ain't no use sitting and wonder why, baby. Even you don't know by now. And it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby It'll never do somehow When your rooster crows at the break of dawn Look out your window and I'll be gone You're the reason I'm traveling on But don't think twice, it's all right and the neat thing about the New York scene, especially in those days, while he's doing all these residents and folk shows and playing around town, he's also working on the second album called The Free Willin' Bob Dylan. And that extends to the cover photo of him walking down the middle of a New York street with his girlfriend at the time, Suze Rotolo, right? Yeah, very cool New York look in those days. He would incorporate that New York imagery through the early years of all of his albums, including a video, the first video of its kind, if you remember, when he held up all the cards with the lyrics on it and threw them away in a, like an alleyway somewhere in Midtown. Was that Subterranean Homesick Blues? It was. Hmm, foreshadowing on this episode. Because later, we've been trying to get through this as we prepare. We're going to do kind of a five favorites shotgun style thing with Bob and songs and Oh, I've been so busy, Marcus. All the different <laughs> subcategories of shotgun fives that I can do. Oh, yes. <laughs> so the free will and Bob Dylan comes out, and shit really starts to happen. Yes, and how many deaths will it take till he knows 
that too many people have died The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind The answer is blowing in the wind He's singing about peace, man. And once you start singing about peace in this country, people start taking notice for one reason or another, right? <laughs> hey, y'all wanted me to write my own songs. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Not only blowing in the wind where the lyrical content is right on the surface, right? Yep. But masters of war. It's a total dig at the machinery of war, which is starting already to turn in this country by 1962-63. He fastened all the triggers for the others to fire. And then you sat back and watch when the death count gets higher. You hide in your mansion on the young people's blood flows out of their bodies and is buried in the mud. He's thrown the worst fear that can ever be hurled. Fear to bring children into the world. For threatening my baby Unborn and unnamed You ain't worth the blood that runs in your veins I noticed that about Masters of War when I was listening to it. I was like, woo, he's not holding back at all. Songs like A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall or Talking World War Three Blues, all very ominous but also very pointed. And Bob begins to take the role as a spokesman for his generation. Look at Oxford Town and the uh, questioning of racism in Mississippi. <sighs> Some heavy stuff. At the beginning of white people joining up in simpatico with black Americans who've been stepped on for generation after generation. And the folk movement plugs in heavily to that. And Bob, right along with it, with the title track of his next album, The Times They Are A Changing. Come, senators, congressmen, please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway, don't lock up the hall. For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled. The battle outside region will soon shake your windows and rattle your walls for the time. Changing. Oh, indeed, Marcus, the times they are a changing, and it's only January 1964. It was around this time that he met Allen Ginsberg. Angel headed hipsters burning for the ancient heavenly connection to the starry dynamo and the machinery of night, who poverty and tatters and hollow eyed and high sat up smoking in the supernatural darkness of cold water flats floating across the tops of cities, contemplating jazz. <laughs> Renowned beat poet did Howl and Kaddish. I never knew he did a poem called Kaddish. I did not know that either. 
At that point, the label machinery kicks in and we get another side of Bob Dylan. Just a few months later. He was working at a furious pace at that point. I ain't looking to compete with you. Beat or cheat or mistreat you. Simplify you, classify you, deny, defy or crucify you. All I really want to do is baby be friends with you. Always on the road, always writing, always recording. But boy, was he putting out some beautiful songs, some heavy songs, and some pretty intense songs that were poignant and relevant for those times. Alongside Chimes of Freedom or the Black Crow Blues or the Spanish Harlem Incident, these songs have points. Bob's making points and scoring points and growing already. He's becoming a legend. Think about this. Like we had spoken about earlier, he was using that nonsensical abstraction and writing about the lighter subjects with a deeper message. And he was doing a lot of that at this point to get his uh, message across and to hook people. And he was really coming across in these songs. Something else was going on out there in the heartland. Countless thousands, maybe millions of young Americans taking up guitars, taking up music, wanting to express themselves because this guy, Bob Dylan, is saying stuff with his music and the artists of the 60s are listening as they begin to form their bands and take their stages in the coffee houses that part of it is begun and if you look at the chart positions which we do just for reference marcus he starts out okay and another side does eh, then bringing it all back home takes him to the top 10 highway 61 revisited his next album out in august of 65 goes to number three on the u.s charts oh god said to abraham kill me a son Abe said man you must be putting me on god said no Abe said what god said you can do what you want Abe, but uh, next time you see me coming you better run Tell you what, man, 1965 is a weird turning point for Dylan and everything that's going on. Now, the thing about Highway 61 Revisit is that sessions happened in June, July, and August of 65, and it would be released at the end of August. But what happened in between recording and release at the Newport Folk Festival? Oh, my. Once upon a time, you dress so fine Through the bumps of dime in your prime Then you People call, saying beware, doll You're bound to fall You thought they were all Then you You used to laugh about It set the entire folk world on its head it set its hair on fire. People were losing their collective fucking minds. You Dylan went electric. Could you imagine if that folk festival was on Twitter that day? Holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> but a few days later, Dylan went back to the studio and completed the album with that echoing in his head, right? <laughs> this is uh, the turning point with Bob. And there's another Bob in the equation that's part of the change, too. It's Bob Johnson as producer on this album. 
I don't know. I think more was made of it at the time because he was kind of considered the next standard bearer, the hero, maybe the all-time Superman of the folk movement. And some people felt betrayed when he started playing electric rock and roll. I don't get it, man. He's a young guy in the 60s. Look what's going on around you. Bound to come in sooner or later, right? Absolutely. And think about this. He started as a rock and roller before he went folk. So he's always had that rock and roll in his bones. Look at the Robert Johnson influence. Look at all of those old blues men and blues women that were an influence to him alongside mm-hmm. the country and the Americana. Two styles. Again, think of it this of way, music. Marcus. You're, you're trying to explain it away, but the fact of the matter is these boxes that mm-hmm. we are trying to break down here mm-hmm. are boxes that are self-imposed. People have put them on stuff to, to, to understand it. Oh, put it in the folk box. Put it in the rock box. Put it in this box. Put it in mm-hmm. that because it's easier for people to understand that. But what yeah. we're trying to do is eliminate all those boxes and just look at the music for its own sake yeah. on every subject that we discuss. True. And so beside the fact that we both like the Electric Dylan songs, yeah. I was a kid. You were just a baby when all this shit was going on. Absolutely. I had no idea what was happening in Newport. It, no. it just didn't matter to us. But years later, it did. Yep. But think about this. Folk songs are filled with more despair, more sadness, more triumph, more faith in the supernatural, and are much deeper. And Bob Dylan took that aspect of folk and rock and rolled it and gave it a depth and gave it layers that maybe he felt that it should have to have an impact on the youth. Once upon a time, you dressed so fine, through the bumps of dime in your prime. Then you, people call, say, beware, doll, you're bound to fall. You thought they were all kidding you. And the evidence is right there on this album, Desolation Row, just like Tom Thumb's blues based off a traditional kind of an idea, right? Queen Jane approximately is a good example. It takes a lot to laugh. It takes a train to cry. These songs put them as the focus of the album. And don't worry so much about Like a Rolling Stone or Highway 61 Revisited, you know. It's part of the future for Bob Dylan, and he never really goes all the way back to the folk guy. But Like a Rolling Stone was one of a kind. It was the first six-minute single at that time period. Songs and singles were a lot shorter, so he wrote this big beast of a song. It really pulled people in, and it's a great way, I think, for people to be introduced to this change in Bob Dylan. Being young, and he's writing about maybe some of your deepest fears... A young person on their own with no direction home like a rolling stone. And think about being young and overthinking things and trying to put those images in your head when we were that age. You know, I think he's been an inspiration for people at that personal crossroads for decades now. Dylan has become Dylan. And that leads him around to the next album. It is generally viewed as his greatest work. Recorded in the first half of 1966, the double masterpiece, Blonde on Blonde. The guilty undertaker sighs, the lonesome organ grinder cries, the silver saxophones say I should refuse you. The cracked bells and washed out horns blow into my face with scorn, but it's not that way I wasn't born to lose you. I want you, I want you. Recorded in New York and Nashville, 
It had all kinds of ideas and all kinds of textures on it. And that includes continuing to create songs in long form, like Visions of Johanna or Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands. That's 11 and a half minutes. And Stuck Inside a Mobile with the Memphis Blues again at 7.05 on the electric side of things. Well, Shakespeare, he's in the alley With his pointed shoes and his bells Speaking to some French girl Who says she knows me well And I would send a message To find out if she's talked But the post office has been stolen the mailbox is locked Oh, mama Can this really be the end To be stuck inside a mobile But there's a lot of electric on Blonde, on Blonde Everybody must get stoned, Marcus Wait a minute, you know what that happened When we say those words, we hear that song What do we have to do? Sparkling Little rainy day women, 12 and 35. That was one of the cassettes my dad had in the 70s, and we would listen to Bob when my mom wasn't in the car. She did not like Bob Dylan at all. So, <laughs> well, he'll stone you when you're trying to be so good. They'll stone you just like they said they would. They'll stone you when you're trying to go home. They'll stone you when you're there all alone. But I would not feel so all alone. It was one of those oh, he, that my dad was, would oh, listen to with alone, us. Oh, she wasn't alone, buddy. She wasn't alone. I'm uh, I don't understand it. I mean, and I'm not the hugest Bob Dylan guy in the world, and I have so much to learn, and I don't know a lot about him, but I like his music, and I like some of the versions of the songs that have been done by people personal recommendation for anyone who wants to start somewhere with blonde on blonde just go to side two i want you it's a plaintive love song Stuck Inside a Mobile, which we mentioned before. One of my crazy favorites, Leopard Skin Pillbox Hat, and Just Like a Woman, which speaks from the man's perspective. Men hadn't begun to become more enlightened at that point, but it was coming, and part of the reason it was coming, ironically, is the music of people like Bob Dylan. <laughs> Most likely you go your way, I go mine. Sorry, that's no every time I see those words. And if you look through the uh, lyrics and the song titles, like "Stuck Inside of Mobile" with a Mem- with the Memphis Blues again, it just yeah. the nonsensicalness. He's like, okay, with that song title, we have to put something together. You yeah. have to figure it out by listening to it. And I like that aspect of Bob Dylan. He's a thinking man's musician. And I just want to briefly run down some of the people who are part of the sessions for Blonde on Blonde because. He and the members of the band had worked together, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about Big Pink if we have time. The house Big Pink, which I intend to visit the next time I'm in that area, which could be soon. 
But on Blonde on Blonde, he not only had Rick Danko and Robbie Robertson involved, he had all these guys that were the legendary New York guys of the time. So it became this massive production that built on what he'd done to that point. But Marcus, something's about to happen in Bob Dylan history that puts a ripple in the force, a wrinkle in things, and causes him to stop, pause, and reflect on what he really wants to do. The story of the crash near Woodstock. Next. On the imbalanced history of rock and roll. Thirst. It's a need, Marcus. You need to satisfy a real thirst. And what a better way than with a nice, fresh craft beer at Crooked Eye in the heart of Hatboro. And you can also visit Jamie's House of Music in Delco to get that very fresh and tasty Crooked Eye beer. Their music schedule's picked up at Jamie's House of Music. I follow them on Facebook, so you see a lot more shows going on there. And anytime they're open for shows, you can get your Crooked Eye there, get a growler, and take some home. Or you can head to Hatboro, and their schedule's picked up a lot, too. And my vinyl night is moving to its permanent home the second Tuesday of the month. Come and see us. Bring your vinyl if you want or I'll bring mine. You can't forget that Friday nights from 4 to 11, there's live music over at Crooked Eye and open mic night the first, third, and fifth Mondays of the month. First, third, fifth. I can't do math when I'm drinking at Crooked Eye. Well, the brews are cold and they're always fresh, always the favorites and something new on the board there at the brewery location in Hapro. Serving the cure for what ails you since 2014, we thank them for their support. Of the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll podcast. You know, man, I've been meaning to ask you, you did the big cancer ride down the shore. How were the bold foot socks on your feet while you were riding down there and in the rain, too? Tell you what, those bold foot socks were tough in the inclement weather. And between the boot covers and the socks, my feet didn't get stinky, wet, musty, or anything nasty like that. I did not get gnarly feet at all. Gnarly feet, bad. Uh, Old foot socks, feet protected, good. Seriously, they felt great. They wicked the sweat out of me because we were riding and we were riding at a good pace. And Only the socks are going to wick the sweat out of you, buddy. That's all I want to say. <laughs> and, you know, that's one of the things they're really good at. And that helps you to get like a drier ride, like between the sock and your feet when it's getting wicked away from it. Oh, we sweat big time when we ride. When your feet are moving at that pace for as long as they are, you need protection for your feet. Your feet are important. You can't do what you want to do without your feet. So you need your feet protected. So beat your feet to boldfoot.com and check out the wide variety and styles of socks they offer right there on their website. And don't forget to put it in balance 15 in the code box to save 15% on your first purchase at boldfoot.com. Look, they're your feet. Be bold. As we get back into our discussion about Bob Dylan and his genius, I want to share this quote I found by Bruce Springsteen and pop, how, pop. yeah, and how it had an <laughs> impact on him as a musician and as a okay. person also. Hmm. This is the quote from Bruce about Bob, a guy who had the guts to take on the whole world and made me feel like I had him too. Never understood that it ain't no good. You shouldn't let other people get your 
And that was his view of Bob Dylan wow. after he heard Like a Rolling Stone for the first time. The more we do this podcast, the more things begin to make sense to me uh, about a lot of things because we see these different aspects that come in. I found some other cool quotes on Bob. Let's see if you can tell me who said this. Okay. Sometimes I wish I had taken the Bob Dylan route and sang songs where my voice would not go out on me every night so I could have a career if I wanted. Robert Plant. The great Kurt Cobain, ladies and gentlemen. Whoa. The Bible is very resonant. It has everything. Creation, betrayal, lust, poetry, prophecy, sacrifice. All the great things are in the Bible, and all great writers have drawn from it, and more than people realize, whether Shakespeare, Herman Melville, or Bob Dylan. I have no idea. Patty Smith. I could see that. As a writer, when Bob Dylan came along, it was a miracle because he gave us all permission to say anything. This one's going to surprise you. J.D. Souther, who was part of the Eagles Writing Trust. Whoa. I was actually going to guess somebody from the Birds or somebody like that. Yep, just a generation later. Yep. Here's another one. All right. The biggest influence? I've had several at different times, but the biggest for me was Bob Dylan, who was a guy that came along when I was 12 or 13 and just changed all the rules about what it meant to write songs. Jackson Brown. Very cool. Definitely learned a few things. Mm-hmm. This one may be the best quote, Marcus, and it actually gives you a little bit of enlightenment into British rock and roll. Early British pop was helped tremendously by the writing of Bob Dylan, who had proved you could write about political and quite controversial subjects. Certainly what we did followed on from what was happening with the angry young men in the theater. Pete Townsend? Oh, bing, bing, bing! Really? Yes! That just sounds like something that curmudgeon would say. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you're right, you're right. When you're right, you're right. You know, Bob Dylan has made so many albums. It's it's hard to really talk about all of them in detail, but I think we covered a lot of the stuff that really impacted right there in the first half. Just a few weeks after releasing Blonde on Blonde, Bob's out for a ride on his uh, beautiful Triumph motorcycle near his home in Woodstock, New York, a beautiful part of the country. And he goes down, has a serious accident. He said he broke vertebrae in his neck, but he never went to the hospital. Is that right? Is that possible? Who knows all the stories? Because, again, Bob doesn't reveal all the information. So, Even more mysterious in those days, I would say. And at that, uh, yeah, those things. at yeah. that point, he was becoming reclusive and he was starting to withdraw from people because of yeah. the intensity of his work the previous four or five years. And he's keeping a low profile. Meanwhile, his friends from the Hawks move into the big pink house, not too far from his house. And they're working on their music there and he's going over and they're coming over to his house. 
and uh, eventually they start working on what they call the basement tapes. We got a glimpse of it on the album they released, and it'd be years before the full, complete basement tapes would be released, but it was the basis for this whole working relationship and and a lot of activity that was going on. Uh, Music, creation, recording, a lot of it happening right there in the Woodstock community. He really did get into the spirit of recovering from this accident. He didn't tour for years. He didn't make many public appearances. He continued to make albums, though. He's a writer. He'll write till the last breath he takes. He becomes more productive with Nashville Skyline than Self-Portrait. And just a few months later, New Morning. If not for you, babe, I couldn't find the door. Couldn't even see the floor. I'd be sad and blue. If not for you. And then there's a three-year gap almost between albums. During that time, he was just living, I think, but definitely indulging his reclusive side. The thing is, he's not touring, but albums are selling. Most of them going gold through this period with one or two songs that get him on the radio. But progressive radio was going deeper and playing all different kinds of stuff and really making him one of the key core artists for rock radio. During that three-year gap between record releases, Bob released two poetry books, Tarantula in 71 and Writings and Drawings by Bob Dylan in 73, so he was still writing and creating. Writers always write. I mean, it's not like he's not working or anything, and he's working with the guys from the band. They're in the pocket up there in New York. It's a nice place, man. When I went there a couple years ago for a visit, you feel it. You feel that energy out there. You're away from everything, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And he's putting out live albums and stuff, and everybody's kind of like wondering what he's up to. Is he is he ever going to be the man again? In January 1975, it made the second half of my high school years more enjoyable with songs like Tangled Up in Blue, Simple Twist of Fate, The Idiot Win, songs like that that were the crux, Blood on the Tracks. January 76, Bob is becoming political again because of a story he heard about a boxer who was falsely tried and found guilty of a crime he did not commit. Talking about Reuben Hurricane Carter, and that song, a long one too, really became a cause celebrity on radio and in the press and got Bob in the conversation about that. And he used his celebrity mouthpiece to tell people about it, not just in the song, but when people asked him about it. Pistol shots ring out in a fire to Betty Valentine from the upper hall. She sees a bartender in a pool of blood. Cries out, my God, they've killed them all. Here comes the story of the hurricane. The man the authorities came to play for something that he never done. Put in a prison cell, but one time he could have been the champion of he also did an amazing song where you get the feel of Mozambique, the country. Great album, probably underrated, Dylan's Desire. I listened to Hurricane this morning before we recorded. It's one of the songs that I have been listening to for years, and it is such a scathing punch the system in the face look at the way Reuben Hurricane Carter was treated. I mean, he Watch the movie, kids. Watch that movie. Not pulling punches. He is just letting them have it, and it's harsh. 
you know, any artist who has a long-term career is bound to have ups and downs, and that included Bob. He'd have some massive success like he did on Planet Waves and the Blood on the Tracks and continued with Desire, all number one albums with the basement tapes in there. Did we mention Jesus earlier? Yes. I think the- we did because <laughs> this is when Bob finds Jesus somewhere in the late 70s, leading up to 79 Slow Train Coming and 1980 Saved. And I guess continuing a little bit on Shot of Love into 81. I remember when Bob Dylan converted to evangelical Christianity because all the hippies in the Jewish community were like, what the hell? Going from Jewish to evangelical Christian? I knew he converted to Christianity. It was evangelical? It was evangelical. It was heavy duty. The Jewish community was like, what? What? What are you doing? Oh, my gosh. My path has been away from all that for so long. I find the argument hard to really get my head around and involved in. But uh, be who you want to be. Do what you want to do. Yes. It's funny because the next album is called Infidels. So, uh, you know, I guess he became an infidel. And and he does other albums that continue to do well. They do middle of the charts. And some of them go gold and some don't. Albums like Empire Burlesque and Knocked Out Loaded. Down in the Groove. Oh, Mercy makes a noise for him in 1989 gets him on the charts but also gets him on the tongues and minds of a new generation who say hey this bob dylan guy he's got some other songs that mom and dad like but i like this new album that started to happen broken lines broken strings broken threads broken springs broken idols broken heads And he records all through the 90s great albums uh, that that connect both with his core and with new people. Uh, albums like Time Out of Mind and Love and Theft really did a, an amazing thing for him. Modern Times even. He continues to record most recently in 2020 releasing Rough and Rowdy Ways, which we've talked about more than just about any more recent Bob Dylan release because of the song Murder. Most foul the story of John F. Kennedy's murder. It's one of the few things that I understand about Bob Dylan. He has aged well with his listening audience, as well as been able to successfully bring new people in at the same time. And I think that's really hard to do. You see some bands age with their audience and the crowds get older and older as you go to the shows and you see less young people. Whereas with somebody like Bob Dylan, you're seeing both young people and old people because he's able to hit both age ranges successfully. Including great grandparents at this point because he's been around (laughs) so long. True. It's true. Also, want to give a shout out and some promotion to our dear friend Christian Swain, he of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. His Deeper Digs podcast did a whole episode about that song, Murder Most Foul. Check it out on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Dylan, man. Yep. Part of my life in ways that you don't even think about sometimes. I mean, we've talked about Breeze Through, really, his, his albums. And his live albums, uh, there's so many of them, It's you, you got to put your finger on a couple to stop and see which ones you want to highlight. Most importantly, the Dylan and the Dead album, uh, released in 89 from their tour together, 
I was at that show, and I can tell you, it was magical. It's one of my favorite albums to just pop on and, and listen to when I want to get away from the everyday whatever's going on. There must be something out of here Says I don't get to the deep There's too much time to get shot I can't get down really Business men, they drink my wine Love men, they drink my love But I live a long time I worry I'm there is well Just Bob and the dead and then, you know, they played their set. Mm. Oh, so cool. So cool. The other tour that we haven't mentioned was with the Heartbreakers. I was at that show at Red Rocks in Colorado. I saw Is that where Bob you saw Dylan. it? Yeah. Fuck, that's so it cool. Was, I saw them July of 86 at Red Rocks, and that show is still one of the top shows on my concert resume. Bob Dylan, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers together doing both Bob Dylan songs and Tom Petty songs, plus Bob coming out and doing some acoustic stuff by himself. It was a magical night on the rocks overlooking the city of Denver. I saw that show at the Spectrum in Philly, and I just thought, wow. If it's not going to be the band as his band, what could be better than Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers? And then, of course, the answer was the Grateful Dead. And I was thinking about the joy I've gotten from seeing Bob Dylan while we were getting ready. I didn't have that moment like that. That's pretty cool, dude. But I have seen Bob about five, six times, including once at the Troc. It was after he won the Oscar, and he was taking it with him on stage. It was the first time he wasn't playing any guitar because his hands weren't feeling it. So he sat it there on the uh, Rhodes piano in front of him and sang all night with his Oscar in front of him. I thought that was fucking cool. I was sitting about, I don't know, 50 feet away from Bob's Oscar. That's oh, hilarious. Bob, too. <laughs> <laughs> Did the Oscar look like Bob? Nah, it was gold. Kind of faceless. <laughs> oh, man. Let's talk about the compilation albums, too, man. The, there's an album of Bob Dylan's blues songs. I mean, you know how many blues songs he's done? Talking blues, walking, talking blues and stuff. There's a live cover of Smokestack Lightning somewhere in his archive, so he was totally influenced by all of the blues men. Again, blues and early country. He had books and titles like Writings and Drawings by Bob Dylan, Lyrics, Chronicles, and other lyrics. And the last one, Philosophy of Modern Song. And that one comes after he got the Nobel Prize for Literature because they don't have a Nobel Prize for songwriting. Maybe they should. But Bob, Nobel Prize winning author. He's done art books. He's an amazing artist. I'm looking at eight books of his art put out by all kinds of people, including Random House. The honors, pile them up. They're up there if that's what you want to do with just about everybody. I'm looking at no less than 20 biographies about the man. And that doesn't include the one that we've been looking at from Stephen Aronoff. Cambridge University wrote the Cambridge Companion to Bob Dylan. So even high-end universities have studied and analyzed and shared their thoughts and research on Bob Dylan. He is not only one of the great artists of our time. He's one of the great topics for people to write about and discuss. And thank God we have the songs of Bob Dylan as well as the books about him so that people in the future, when they find his songs, will be able to learn about him. And I think that's really important. In the bibliography, did you see how many of his books have been translated and published in Spanish? 
I did. Like almost Crazy, all of them. Yeah. Like 30, 40, 50 books. Well, they opened the halls of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before they actually had the building built, I think. And Dylan, of course, has to go in. In 1988, inducted as a performer, he's part of the foundation of what made there be a Rock Hall of Fame. And he brings in the folk elements that were mixed into the mortar to build that foundation. There's one honor that most Americans will never admit openly that they wish that they could receive, and that is the Presidential Medal of Freedom. If you're a United States citizen, it is the highest honor. And Bob Dylan got to receive that honor from President Obama. And I just think that's awesome because at the beginning, the thought of President Obama was a million miles away from America in 1961. Very true. And that's when the kid started this story by saying, it's time for these boot heels to be wandering, Ma. Don't think twice. It's all right. And made his way from Minnesota to New York City. An amazing story. He's done it all. And maybe it's not a good week for the audience to say, hey, guys, you missed this, uh, because we know. We didn't really try to get everything or cover it all. But if you do send in, be kind, because we know we didn't cover it all in this episode about the man, Bob Dylan. We also have to do our quick Shotgun Five Faves, dude, before we wrap it up. Oh, shit, I almost forgot. No worries. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. I do have to uh, qualify what I'm going to do when it's my turn. And maybe uh, you should go first on this go-around of Shotgun Five Favorites, because I think I need to explain that I couldn't just do a Five Favorites. I got Five Favorites for the folk. I got Five Favorites for the electric. I got Five Favorites from uh, Blood on the Tracks. I got, oh, my, my, my whole goodness. list is a mess, but I'm going to let you go first, and we'll sort my shit out after you get done. Alrighty, sounds good. I'm doing straight Five Favorites because I do not know very much about Bob Dylan and I love his songs. These are the songs that I like the most. A couple of the uh, honorable mentions include Knocking on Heaven's Door, Mr. Tambourine Man, The Times They Are a Change in the Mighty Quinn, Ballad of the Thin Man, all honorable mention. Number five, though, Hurricane. That song is incredible. At number four, Lay Lady Lay. I love that song. Number three, Subterranean Homesick Blues. At number two, All Along the Watchtower. The way Jimi Hendrix made that one his own and the way he took those beautiful lyrics that Bob Dylan wrote to tell a story and changed it. Just a powerful song, and I still love that song. No matter what form I hear it in, that song, I will not change the dial when I hear it. And number one, we've talked about a little bit, but it still has impacted me like none other, and that's like a Rolling Stone of all the Bob Dylan songs. That is still my number one. Once upon a time, you dressed so fine Do the bumps of dime in your prime Then you Say beware, doll, you're bound to fall. You thought they were all I'm kidding you. So, Ray, your five right. favorites of five favorites of five favorites of five favorites of five favorites. Okay, but I'm going to start with an easy one because it's the five favorites from Blood on the Tracks, which is a really great album. Maybe my favorite. Uh, Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts at number five. The Idiot Wind at four. Actually, it's just Idiot Wind. I always call it the Idiot Wind. Because I'm an idiot. Uh, number three, Shelter from the Storm. Number two, Simple Twist of Fate, Entangled Up in Blue. Number one, my favorite song from Blood on the Track. So that's that five. 
And I mean, I've got songs. I made notes as I went through and listening this week and re-listening to a lot of albums I haven't heard in years. And there's so many songs that I love and could call honorable mentions. The two main ones I want to call honorable mentions, though, are I Want You and Maggie's Farm. And then my <laughs> my top five acoustic Dylan songs. And then I'll give you my electrics and then I'm going to pull them all together. I promise I, this goes somewhere. Uh, on the acoustic side, all I really want to do uh it ain't me babe is number four blowing in the wind at number three don't think twice it's all right ma is uh, number two and the times they are changing my number one acoustic dylan song on the electric side are you um, have i lost you yet no not at all okay good uh number five is positively fourth street on the number five on the electric side number four is hurricane number three is like rolling stone number two is stuck inside a mobile with the memphis blues again and number one is Subterranean Homesick Blues. Oh, get sick, get well, hang around the inkwell, hang bell, hard to tell if anything is gonna sell. Try hard, get boxed, get back, ride frail, get jail, jump bail, join the army if you fail. Look out, kid, you're gonna get hit by losers, cheaters, six-time users, hanging around the theaters, drilled by the whirlpools, looking for a new fool, don't follow leaders, or watch your parking meters. Now, what that boils down to in a uh, one-to-one, number five favorite Dylan song for me is Hurricane, and that's one in common so far. Number four is Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. My number three Bob Dylan song is Positively Fourth Street. Number two for me, I mentioned it already in my Electric Five, it's number two there, and on my big list, Stuck Inside a Mobile with the Memphis Blues again. And my number one, which we have in common, it's number one on my electric and my overall list of Bob Dylan favorites, Subterranean Homesick Blues, two in common on this Shotgun 5 favorites all about Bob Dylan. Dude, awesome lists. Well, we've certainly overshot the runway on this landing, Marcus, so until the (laughs) next time that we get together, quit, get the brakes! From the Dark Doc Media Studios till the next time we crack the mic to do this silly podcast. I'm Ray Coop. I'm Marcus Goldman. And this has been the man, Bob Dylan, on the imbalanced history of rock and roll. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 